Some of you are looking now, oh, no, not you again. <laughs> yeah. Pastor Freddie said he, that he felt like maybe he could go on sabbatical this summer or something. <laughs> I said, no, don't you dare. <laughs> it's, it's fun to, to give the Word of God, uh, and it's fun to scratch that preacher's itch from time to time, but uh, God has not called me to preach and, and uh, pastor all the time. He's called me to be a, a second fiddle. And actually, I told Pastor Freddie that I was probably more like the third fiddle or the fourth fiddle, or I'm just down there fiddling around somewhere. <laughs> but, but I'm here fiddling, amen? <laughs> Listen, I love the Old Testament. And uh, the more you get to know me, the more you'll realize I'll preach as much, if not more, from the Old Testament than, than from the New. It just was... When I read the stories of the Old Testament, and they begin to, to come alive, and it begins to show me, uh, you know, a, a foreshadow of who Christ is and what He has done for us. And uh, this morning, I'd like to look into 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, 2 Kings chapter 6 deals with the, the prophet of God, Elisha, not to be mistaken with Elijah. Now, Elisha was an, an incredible guy. He, he was called by Elijah to study, to become basically Elijah's understudy and to take over Elijah's ministry. And so Elisha followed him around, learning from him. But yet when it came time for Elijah to turn over the, the raids to Elisha, Elijah kept saying, well, I have to go. God's going to take me away, and you stay here. But Elijah kept, Elisha kept refusing and saying, oh, no, Lord, I'm going with you. And, and each step of the way, Elijah would turn and say, stay here. And Elijah would say no. And it went to that point to where they finally crossed the Jordan River. And Elijah looks at Elisha and says, you know, what, what do you want? Now, again, everybody has a translation or a version. Even Mr. Purr has a version. Uh, think about that. <laughs> Get it? Purr version? Boy, you guys are... <laughs> Did I pray hard enough and long enough? <laughs> Everybody. Anyway, um, so he said, you know, what do you want from this? What, what's your expectations? And Elisha said to him, what I want is what you have, only I want a double portion. And so Elijah said, if you're here and you see me go up, uh, that, then you're going to get that. And as the, the chariot of fire swept in to take Elijah away, Elisha saw this. And the cloak of God came floating or from Elijah, came floating to the ground, the mantle. And Elisha picked it up and put it on his back. And he received that mantle of the prophet. And we see right from the very beginning, he took that cloak and he, and he smote the river with it and it opened up and he was able to walk on a dry land. Uh, he came across some, some young fellows that were, were being a, a little bit mouthy. Uh, teenagers, be careful what you do and be careful what you say. They were, they were teasing. They said, hey, Baldy, how you doing, fatso? And they were going after e Elisha, and Elisha got mad, and, and he prayed and, and cursed them, and it said a bear came out and cleaned up 40 of them. We see that Elisha even comes in and, and into a town, and they're saying, listen, the water here is bad. You know, it's killing us. It, it's causing us to die. And they 
said, uh, he said, bring me some salt and a new bowl. And he took some salt and he threw it in the well and the well became clean. When have you ever heard that, that you take salt and make uh, fresh water out of it? doesn't work that way. But God can make anything work. And we see him coming to a, to a widow that has nothing left. I mean, she's at that point to where uh, there's nothing for her to draw from. There's no finances to draw from. Have you ever been there where it seems like you've come to the end of your end? And he walks in and says, well, what have you got? And she said, well, just this little bottle of oil. And he said, go gather some jars and some pots and bring them here. And she took that little bottle of oil and began to pour in and in and in. And each time she poured, it would fill up the jar and there would be more oil in the bottle. And she'd fill up another one and she'd fill up another one until there were no more jars. See, God supplies and God used Elisha to minister again and again and again. There are many other stories that, that could be told of him. I mean, he even made an axe swim. You know, I'd like to see this axe doing the backstroke, you know, <laughs> swimming back to the surface, <laughs> coming down uh, that, that had fallen into the water. Uh, listen, axe heads don't float. They don't swim. One of the versions says it came swimming to the surface. Even if it had been an, uh, a, a, metal, I mean, a, a stone axe, like made out of uh, flint or something like that, it still would not have swum. But Elisha stood in faith and in the power and the love of God and believed God for what he told him. So with all of this being said, we come to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. When the king of Syria was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. Now, he, the king was pronouncing war, and he said, we're going to go do this here, and we're going to do this there, and we're going to take them here. It, was a, it wasn't a full-scale war that, that we think of where all the armies get together and they face off with one another. He was sending in raiding parties into Israel, and, and he was stealing their food and, and uh, their donkeys and their camels and uh, the, the livestock that they had. It says, Verse 9, it says, But immediately... Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the, Sumerians, or the, the Syrians are planning to immobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word uh, to the place indicated by the man of God. The time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would not be, or that he would be alerted to where they were. So, listen, it wasn't just a one-time deal. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Again and again and again, uh, the king of Syria's plans were being thwarted by the man of God. Just think about that. And he's not there. The man of God is, is in Israel. In fact, we, we find as we go on that he was in Dothan, nowhere near where the, the king of Syria was. Verse 11 says, the king of Syria became very upset. Uh, others said that he, he was angry, uh, that he became overwhelmed with his anger over this. And he called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is a traitor who has been informing the kingdom or the king of Israel of this plan? So, uh, what do you think? I mean, again and again and again, your plan's being thwarted. 
again and again and again. You make these plans, and, and, uh, and, and either the Israelites don't show up, or they do show up in force, and, and they, they win the day. And uh, this king is getting frustrated because every time he makes a plan, almost exactly as he makes a plan, Israel changes the game. Listen, God was speaking to Elisha. In fact, it goes on, it says, uh, it's not us. Now, one of his servants, of course, he's calling, I mean, his his men that, that he brought in, he's calling them uh, traitors, or at least one of you guys are a traitor. One of you guys is, is going over and telling something that you shouldn't be telling. And, you know, if, if you're not for me, you're against me. And so uh, they uh, respond to him, and he says um, to the king of Syria, let me see, I, I'm in the wrong verse. Verse 12, it says, It's not us, my lord, O king, one of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Elisha was hearing from God. He didn't have a traitor problem. He had an infiltration problem. He had a spy that sat amongst them. And who was that spy? The spy was God Almighty Himself. There's nothing that you can say or do that stays hidden from God. When you speak words from your mouth, and, 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 and listen, when you stand around in your little group, and you begin to speak words of complaint, and words of, of bitterness towards uh, uh, your brothers or your sisters or towards the pastor or towards your, uh, uh, you know, the, the leadership that God has put in, just realize that there is a spy in your midst. And that spy is God Almighty. And I'll guarantee that more often than not, what's going to happen, the words that came from your mouth are going to come out to those that you were complaining about. Let me add this. Be very, very careful about the words that come from your mouth about the man of God. Even David said, I dare not touch the man of God. It's a dangerous place to be at. And so because of this, it says uh, that the king said, go and find out where he is. And the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. Listen, the king sent out, basically, he sent out a hit squad, a, a, a hit or kill. And it just amazes me, the mindset of this guy. Here he is, he's making plans to go in and raid Israel, to take what he wants, and again and again and again, his plans are thwarted. Again and again and again, uh, things go wrong. So he asks what's going on. They tell him that Elisha is telling even the things that you say in your bedroom. So be careful. Be careful. It's, what does this guy do? He says, well, go find him. Go find him so that, what, I can send someone to seize him or to kill him or to capture him. Uh, is he so stupid that he thinks that God is not going to tell Elisha the plans that he's even made at that point? But listen, sometimes we get to that point. We, we, we have this one disaster and, and things go wrong, and what do we do? We make up another disastrous plan. We have to be careful, folks. What comes from our lips 
are coming from our lips, not to the ears of those around. I, I'm not going to, to Pastor Ryan and bickering and complaining uh, because what goes from my lips to Pastor Ryan's ears are not coming from Pastor Ryan's mouth to whoever I was complaining about. They're going from Pastor Ryan's ears to the throne room of God. That's a scary place to be. It's a scary place to be. So it was reported that he was in Dothan. So I think uh, that there's more here than uh, what you really see. So uh, let me give you my theological insight or my take on th this story so far. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, is it possible that the enemy attacks you because of your gift that exposes the enemy? Do you feel like you're under attack? Then it's possible that the gift that God has given you is exposing the enemy, and the enemy is going to... Uh, we have a stupid enemy. Not to be taken for granted, but we have a stupid enemy because the things that, that, that have not worked in the past, he continues to use now. Some of you have a gift that not only glorifies God, uh, but it exposes the enemy. So, you, again, uh, when you ask yourself, uh, uh, why is this happening? Because what you do in Christ Jesus, what you do in the Word, what you do in your daily life uh, that honors God is exposing the attack and, uh, and the, the plans of the enemy. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. How do we handle life when your gift just keeps getting you in trouble? Because really, that's what a question we should be asking. And I know uh, that, that uh, we see the great things of God moving, and, and we get excited about the fact that our gifts are exposing the enemy. But count on the fact that as our gifts expose the enemy, the attack is going to become greater and greater and greater against you. In fact, if you don't have attacks against you, you need to be looking and saying, what am I not doing? Am I not moving out as the Lord asks me to? Am I not in the Word the way God wants me to? Am I not having fellowship and prayer with the Lord the way I should? It's a question that we should be asking. Verse 14 says, So one night the king of Syria sent a great army that many, uh, with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Verse 15 says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went out, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. <laughs> Another silly question by a silly man. Here's a guy that's followed Elisha around. He's seen Elisha uh, work miracle after miracle after miracle, and, and uh, he steps outside, sees all of this, and he says, what are we going to do now? <laughs> What's the, does he think that Elisha didn't know that those guys were going to be there? Now, he was up early in the morning. In fact, it said that, uh, that he was up early, early, so uh, I no doubt in my mind that it was before daylight. But he, I'll guarantee you he wasn't up before the servant of God. And the servant of God knew what was going on out there. Listen, uh, we are all sometimes 
overtaken by fear. And this young man, this young underling, this young understudy of the prophet was overtaken in fear at this point. There was uh, an unexpected three things. There was an unexpected presence when he stepped outside. And sometimes uh, things scare us when it be, uh, things scare us when you show up somewhere and something absolutely unexpected takes place. I don't like unexpected stuff. I don't like to walk into a situation and have just a, no idea or no clue as to what's going on. I don't like surprise parties. <laughs> I don't like surprises. I don't like change. <laughs> How many of you like change? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Amen. Ernie loves change. <laughs> but I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of changes. But listen, uh, there was something unexpected or an unexpected presence. He came outside and, uh, you know, have you ever walked into a, the, the darkness and just knew that there was something wrong? And no doubt in my mind he came out and, and, and just could feel the presence of the enemy, and it, fear began to grip him because there was something unexpected there. Number two, his position is unprotected. His fear began to well up with inside him because he began to see that the enemy was there and that they were all around him. They had surrounded the town and this protection was gone. Walked out into the uh, into the open yard, uh, and I'm not sure why. He might have gone out to get water. He might have gone out to do his morning business. I have no idea why he went out there. I just know that he walked out into the open uh, yard and saw the enemy of the king of God or the king of heaven standing there against them. And so his position was unprotected. We find ourselves sometimes in a place where it seems like that uh, we're all alone. Have you walked into things in your life where it seems like God is not even there? Like the heavens have become sounding brass. And what happens a lot of times when that takes place? Fear begins to overwhelm and overtake us. Because it just seems like we can't reach Him. So natural reaction of man, because why? Because we're not infinite, but we're a finite being uh, that old nature begins to, to well up within us and fear begins to take place. Number three, he had no plan. What will we do now? He came out. Uh, there was an unexpected presence. There was no protection, and he had no plan. There was no plan uh, to be able to take on the enemy of any kind, and fear began to rise up within him. Some of us walk in the fear of our past. Let me tell you, uh, as a kid, not much bothered me. I was pretty brave, like most kids are. You know, I would wander off and head into anything. Some of the things that I did were so stupid that, uh, that uh, you know, I should have had, well, I'll still do that, Ernie. <laughs> uh, that, that, you know, I can't believe that I survived. You know, I, you know take a 22 bullet and say, uh, uh, a 22 bullet and a hammer, that ought to be a good thing, you know. 
<laughs> you know, we do things that aren't too bright sometimes, you know. I think, I bet I can make a, 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 a flaming arrow out of this cattail and kerosene and a bow that I have and, and shoot it and, and uh, shoot it in the direction, you know, uh, of a, a can of gasoline that catches on fire. And, and, uh, <laughs> and my dad's tractor is sitting there by the fire. And, and of course, the, the fear wells up within you that not the, that, uh, that the enemy knows, but that dad's going to come home and beat the daylight out of me because I burned his tractor up, you know, and you go over as a little fellow and grab the tractor and tip it over thinking that's going to help things, you know, fear. <laughs> I, I, I said uh, two weeks ago, you know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't the brightest bulb in the lighthouse, <laughs> but I didn't let much bother me, but I will say this, that uh, at about eight, maybe Seven, somewhere in that area, my dad was always, our house was always in a, in, a, in a state of flux. I mean, my dad was always building on, adding on, redoing, tearing rooms out and putting new rooms in. It just always was something uh, going on. And so he had uh, put our first bathroom in the house. Um, if you never was raised to run into the outhouse in the wintertime, it's an experience. <laughs> uh, with, and let me tell you, run into the bathroom in the middle of the winter, knowing that there's no toilet paper out there, and your dad behind you with a paper bag rolling in his hands to make it soft for you. So, so my dad, uh, this was a great thing, my dad putting in the first bag. That was awesome. <laughs> Indoor plumbing. At least I didn't have to, to, to come in the house to get the paper bag. The paper bag was <laughs> already there. But, but anyway, uh, so he built this this bathroom and he put a wall up the door which was a curtain and then he mom said well I need a closet in there so he went in and he took some twine and he strung it from one wall to the other and put on a couple of shower curtains and that made the closet and we hung our coats in there and and uh, of course we didn't have uh, running water other than for the toilet so there was no water to wash with so there was always a wash basin and, and a, a jug of water there to wash with so when you were done with the wash basin, you dumped it down the toilet and you hung it back in the closet. Well, my dad had been in there before me. I was too short to reach the light, you know, just one of those lights with a string on it that you would pull. And so I, I in there in the dark, or at least semi-dark, dad had hung the wash basin in this closet. And when I came in and slammed the toilet down, it was enough of a jar that this wash basin began to slide down the curtain. And it didn't just didn't go bang, it just slithered all the way down. Just slow motion. And I'm seeing this, and I begin to get afraid. I mean, this fear welled with up in me. And listen, I could not stay there. The screams came from my lungs, and I went tearing out into the other end of the house like the devil himself was after me. I learned fear. And for a long, long time, I was afraid of the dark. Any place that was dark. I was afraid to go outside at night. I was afraid to, well, my precious wife. She, the, the Bible says that, that, uh, that uh, God gives us not a help mate, but a help meet. Uh, and if you look that up in, in the Greek it, or in the Hebrew, it basically says that uh, your mate is your protector. So my precious wife has always been my protector. And for years... People would say, look what a gentleman Michael is. You know, he walks down to the house and, and he 
opens the door and lets his wife go in first, you know, like a gentleman should. Well, that's not why I was doing it. It was at nighttime, and I was opening the door so my wife would go in and turn the light on. I was 30 years old, guys. <laughs> fear can be irrational. And I had this irrational fear of the dark. God has since delivered me from that. Uh, I always uh, turn the lights on for her. Uh, if uh, I only push her into the room if, it, if it's like... My wife fell yesterday. Uh, she was picking a plant pot up around a table and... and uh, and the sad part is, as I was in the shower, and I hear this crash and nothing else. And so I jump out and I and quickly dress myself, and I said, are you all right? And she said, no, I fell. And I come out, and I found her laying out near the, the slider door going into our backyard uh, in the only spot where she could have fallen without really done a lot, doing a lot of damage. She did tunk her head in good shape on the coffee table and black and blue her arm. But I'm so thankful that God uh, protects us. But I, I didn't push her through that door. Or, or, or <laughs> <laughs> Nothing fear-related. I just, just, I just said that so you'd be sympathetic towards Gail and her plight today. <laughs> so, again, uh, the Lord delivered me from that fear. And it, uh, honest, it was a debilitating fear at times. And God brought this victory to me one night, and, and it just, honest, it just dissipated. It was gone. Thank God that his power is greater than the fear that dwells within us. Back in, in uh, probably the early, now late 60s, early 70s, probably late 60s, uh, my cousin and I used to play a lot together. He lived out around the corner from us, probably a quarter of a mile, and we lived on a, a wooded stretch of road, and it was in the kind of the, the town of Mapleton. It was kind of the town proper, I guess. There were a few street lights here and there. The street light just uh, on, uh, near our house just happened to be out, and it was about 8 o'clock at night. I was outside uh, on the lawn, and I heard the phone ring, and my mother said, your cousin Graydon is coming to see you. He wants to go do something. I said, oh, great. So I figured, well, I'm going to get Graydon. And so I went over by where the streetlight used to be or used to be on but wasn't, and I hid behind the telephone pole. And Graydon comes down, and as he turns around the corner, and he's still, you know, a couple of hundred yards from, from my position. He starts screaming, Mike, Mike. And he just walks down the road, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, Mike! And about the time that he got near the pole, I jumped out and went, What? <laughs> now, fear does two things. It causes you either to run, to run away from it, or it causes you to become paralyzed. And here is the most perfect picture that you have ever seen of a Bugs Bunny cartoon where something happens and, and the character jumps up and goes to run and all that's happening is their feet are going and there's no movement. He stood in one spot jumping right up and down screeching to the top of his lungs not saying anything, just screeching and, and he with his hands you know, over his head and he just stood there and screamed while he danced up and down. Fear can be pretty debilitating. <laughs> it can be bad. <laughs> Fear causes a paralysis sometimes and keeps you from doing 
what God has called you to do. If you say you have no fear, I, I, I honestly, I'm not going to call you a liar, but I, I, I doubt it seriously because I'll guarantee you that all of us at one point or another have walked in, in fear. Maybe not as debilitating as mine, but we have walked in some fear, in some fear of what uh, tomorrow will bring or some fear of, of well, how I'm going to get through this next thing. Uh, I know my precious sister's uh, Maurice stood in fear as to how I'm going to get through this time with my mother uh, passing away and being gone. For Arlene, I know that, uh, that she has walked that path of fear, maybe not debilitating fear, but that path of fear uh, to where my precious brother Jim uh, left this life to go and, and be in the presence of the Lord. And it's a hard thing to get through those things. It's not easy to, to go through those trials. Uh, the, the fear that, that, uh, that I don't have the money again to pay my bills. I don't have the money again to cover my mortgage. I don't have the money again to uh, put food on my table. I watched my parents go through these things. In fact, I, I can remember sitting at our dining room table with the three little kids. Uh, I'm the oldest of three. We're sitting there, and uh, we're eating our meal, meager as it was, and, and me looking up and saying, aren't you guys going to eat? And my mother saying, oh, no, we ate earlier. Well, really what happened is uh, they didn't eat at all because there was only what, uh, what was there for the kids to eat. You know, fear can be uh, overwhelming and overcoming. We can allow the fear sometimes, in our, especially in our walk, to paralyze us and to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. And there is no doubt in my mind, uh, again, that there are some, even in this very room, that stand even today in that fear, that, that they just are not sure about what's going to happen tomorrow. They may not even be sure as to about what's going to happen this afternoon it could be a, again a fear of, of the things that i said it could be a fear of sickness that that has overtaken you a, a cancer that that you have found out about and and it begins to pour fear within you uh, i stood several years ago uh, in the doctor's office and the doctor looking at me saying i don't believe it's cancer but if it is i'm thinking you should have just said i don't believe in cancer i'd have been good with that he said, but if it is, it didn't start there. And I have a disease called Paget's disease where my bones grow really fast. And it took him a long time to figure out what was, the, what was going on. And months, literally months, with the doctor saying, I don't believe it's cancer, but if it is, you know, it's a, a, a scary situation to be put in. And we all want to say, oh, I trust God, and I believe he's going to heal, uh, and I believe this, and I believe that. Well, uh, and there's no doubt in my mind, again, that there are some of us that would. They would just stand there and say, you know, bring it on, bring it on. I, you know, God and I got this. But a lot of us will stand, and, and that rises up a fear within us. The bottom line of fear is to make you not move. Seriously, in, in the spiritual realm, is to make you not move. Uh, let me remind you that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Let that sink in. God did not give us a spirit 
of fear. The reason that we're scared is that we have uh, help, but we can't see it. And let that sink in. The reason that we stand in fear is because there is help there, but we're not seeing it. Let's go on in, uh, in verse 16. It says, Elijah told him, well, no, starting in the beginning, I'm sorry. Uh, in verse 16, it says, do not be afraid. So here's the answer. Don't be afraid. Don't be, well, that's a pretty good answer. If I come out and say, oh, I see all this going on in your life. I see the problems that you're struggling with. Don't be afraid. Go in peace. The Lord love you. The Lord bless you. God keep you, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of that that goes on out there. But uh, listen, Elisha didn't leave it at that. He said, Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than on their side. Get this picture. Most of us just think that there are more on, on our side. Uh, and it's not just our side. There's, there, uh, there are more on their side, or it seems like there's a lot on their side. So there are those that are unseen even on their side. So when you come out and you see this great task or thing uh, that's, that's facing you, uh, just know that there's a lot more behind the scenes that's going on. How many have ever read the book, uh, This Present Darkness or Piercing the Darkness? If you haven't read it, listen, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a biblical theological book. It's, it's just a, a great Christian fiction book. But I read these two books and could not put them down uh, because it really it caused me to begin to look at the fact that there's more going on than what I can see with my eyes. There's a battle that's going on in the spirit realm uh, between the, 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 the demons of the enemy and the angels of heaven. There's this battle that takes place, a spirit battle. In fact, it says the scripture says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a spirit battle that's going on. Uh, read these books if you get a chance. They're just great, entertaining, and uh, it'll help you to, to maybe see that, uh, that there's more going on than you think there is. 1 John 4 and 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he that is in this world. Elijah, verse 17 uh, then uh, prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses of chariots and fire. Uh, here's the, the answer to all of that. Lord, open our eyes to see that greater is He. Open our eyes to see that the hills are filled with those that will come to battle on our behalf at any given moment, at any given time. We don't have to live in the fear of, of the impending doom. We don't have to live in fear of the day-to-day -day attack of the enemy. And again, if you're uh, using your giftedness to proclaim and to go forth in the Lord and to proclaim that, that Jesus Christ is king, uh, then you can count on the fact that the enemy is going to attack you. And we need to, when those attacks come, understand that our eyes need to be open and that we need to see what God has set before us.
And as we go on in that story, we find that, uh, that really the, the chariots and, uh, and, the, and the horses and, and the fire, everything didn't have to come down and fight for Elijah because Elijah just prayed, you know, uh, Lord, let those guys be blind. Uh, and, and it happened, and, and Elisha led them away uh, into the midst uh, of their enemy, and they were taken captive. God is going to do something great for you, and he'll do it today if you're willing to say, I'm no longer willing to stay blind to the help that has been placed around me. Uh, I know that, uh, that God gave me this message, worship team, that he showed me that there was a need this morning. Showed me that, that uh, he didn't say the whole congregation, he didn't say one, I just, he just showed me that there is a need this morning. So if I'm just preaching to one person, I'm glad to do that. But let me say, if God has spoken to your heart the fact that I'm struggling in some fears, I'm struggling with some, I'm struggling with sickness, and I don't know how to get beyond it. I'm struggling with, with family members, and I don't know how to get beyond it. I'm struggling in my finances, and I don't know how to get beyond it. I'm struggling in the relationship that I have with my husband, or the relationship that I have with my wife, or the relationship that I have with my brothers and my sisters. Listen, there's help. There's help. God, open our eyes so that we can see let us see what you have brought to us to begin to help to restore us and to build up the confidence of our lives and in our lives that we may continue to go out and attack the enemy so that the enemy will come back and attack us and we will stand in, in uh, honor to God again and believe with our eyes open that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? So I, I know what I've been told. And again, if it's just one, if it's all, uh, however, if God's speaking to your heart this morning, I, I really would ask that, that you would stand up this morning, come to the front. I want to anoint you with oil and pray with you. No matter what the issue, if, are you sick? Are you struggling with illness? Are you struggling with the fears of, of uh, just seems like the whole world is caving in on you? You just not sure what to do come please come don't let the enemy be the winner today don't let fear overwhelm you don't let it take part in your life anymore Jesus Pastor Ryan's going to come and he's going to help me so one of us will, will uh, anoint you and pray over you. And listen, after we pray, if you need to just stay here, stay here. Stay here. Don't walk away without the victory this morning. Don't walk away without the, the presence and the blessings of God. Are you struggling with something? Just another minute. Are you struggling with something? God speaking to your heart? Have you had the, it seems like the, 
that, that, that battle is going and, and you're not sure you can fight that battle one more day, let me tell you, it's not your battle. It's not your battle. It's the battle that the Father gladly takes on for us. Amen?